it's something that you can continually be moving towards, working towards. It's the same with values. We can live them day in, day out, whether the step we take on that journey is small or whether it's larger or quicker. It's something that we can always be embodying and your values will be your compass through these tough times. You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full-life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Hi there. Welcome to the final bonus episode of Wisdom for Wellbeing Season 1. It is an absolute honor to have had you on this journey of the first season with me. The feedback I've received has been phenomenal. Thank you so much to those of you who've taken the time to reach out. Your words and your ideas for how we can you know, approach different interviewees, different concepts, how this is delivered, they've been really, really helpful comments and feedback. So thank you very much for taking the time. I know some of you are watching live right now because this is another one of those sneaky episodes that is offered on Facebook Live first, and then will of course be moved to a video format. So if you are visual and you like to see all the pictures and the concepts written out, please head on over to Facebook at Wisdom for Wellbeing Pod, and you will find the video there. Of course, you may be listening on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, and don't worry, you don't need to be seeing it. I'll be describing everything as we go through today. So as this was going to be a summary of all of the wisdom that we've learned through the season, I... I guess I wanted to respond to what is going on with COVID-19 and to a lot of the feedback that has come up in the therapy room, with colleagues, with friends of mine, and I guess everything that I am I'm hearing generally. You know, we're all talking a lot about coronavirus because it is so uncertain and such a defining moment in our history. And we are all looking to how we can appropriately honor and have an appropriate level of fear, anxiety around something that that warrants our attention, but also not let that carry us away to the point that we lose our sense of well-being, our mental health, and become all consumed by it. We want to know how we can stay balanced and how we can stay connected during this time. So today's episode is actually going to be focusing on self-care in this time period as we integrate the wisdom from season one. I do want to really take the time to appropriately acknowledge all of the amazing interviewees that I've been fortunate to introduce you to here on Wisdom for Wellbeing. Each and everyone has shared such incredible knowledge, and I really hope that you take the time to both listen to the podcasts here, but also to reach out and to connect with these individuals on other platforms because the individuals that we've had the chance to get to know really support integrative well-being. And within this, 
our biopsychosocial framework. So integrative well-being being a framework that allows us to honor the appropriate connection between our biological, our psychological, and our social well-being. The way I like to think of it is that this biopsychosocial framework really cultivates well-being in acknowledging these different dimensions in our life contribute to our greater sense of whole. I'm also a yoga teacher, so the mind-body connection is something I'm often speaking to and reflecting of on the mat. But I think the social framework that is predominant in this model is also hugely important and sometimes gets left out. Now more than ever, we do need to be appropriately acknowledging that we are social creatures. When I hear the term social distancing, I cringe because we cannot cultivate and maintain our well-being that way. I really like that there's been a push to physical distancing and social connection. So I'm gonna try and be mindful of my language here, and I would encourage you to be mindful of your language as well, knowing that you know, if we take a yoga sutra, you know, our, our words ultimately determine our actions. So if we can use our words to enhance our connectedness, why not? And we'll talk a little bit about creative ways to maintain our connection as we go on today. In regards to learning the facts around coronavirus, what I would highlight is that there are many, many sources of media. I know all of you have different platforms that you prefer to consume media and information on, but just be mindful that where you're consuming this information is a reputable source. You know, that you're going to the World Health Organization, that you're going to your national governing health bodies to actually understand what coronavirus is, you know, how many cases there may be, if that's something that's relevant to you in the moment, and what exactly the recommendations are for you to be doing in your city, in your state, in your country, so that you can keep yourself, your loved ones, and your community safe. Sometimes we are drawn because our minds are so negatively biased and we're so predisposed to look for the dangers in our environment. So we're really drawn to sensationalized stories, catastrophe stories, and that's not helpful for our well-being, right? We all know it intuitively, but just remind yourself, if you are going to check in on social media, check in on the media generally, that you look for the reputable sources and that you challenge some of the information that might feel very intense. So in regards to learning the facts around COVID-19, we've had a couple of brilliant episodes here. Heather Mode talks about how you can enhance your immunity and describes what a virus is. So she's an immunologist. And that was episode number 18. There was also the last episode, number 20, with Nishat Latiab, where she also talks through what the coronavirus is and how you can be enhancing your immunity as well as sharing some information from the front line. So Dr. Latiab is also an emergency department doctor. 
Both Dr. Mude and Dr. Latiab are functional medicine doctors, integrative medicine doctors, which means that they've got a really beautiful holistic framework from which they operate. And I think that makes those two interviews very, very special in that they're both medically orientated, but they fit within this biopsychosocial framework that really comprises, I guess, the general sentiments of those of us listening here today. In regards to moving through this period, you will have heard about values, you know, and this wonderful metaphor of values essentially being your compass through life. So if you think how a compass might point you north, your values essentially guide you where you want to go in life. And you'll note that just like if you're heading off on a northern journey, you would never reach north per se. It's something that you can continually be moving towards, working towards. It's the same with values. We can live them day in, day out, whether the step we take on that journey is small or whether it's larger or quicker. It's something that we can always be embodying and your values will be your compass through these tough times. Even when you might be in physical distancing, when you might not be going to work, you know, catching up with friends, doing the community activities that you might do it's still possible for you to be living your values. It might mean being a bit creative. In terms of reflecting on your values, there are a couple of episodes that I wanted to highlight. You know, they come up in many episodes, many, many episodes, but three episodes that really focus in on them. And one was the first episode of the season where I talked about New Year's resolutions and how you could connect these with your values, because I think that offers a really clear framework around the values conversation and resolutions, because perhaps this could be an opportunity to make pen pandemic resolutions, so to speak. And I say that with a bit of tongue in cheek, because if it is a slower period and you have the chance to reflect, why not reflect on how you can use this time to act in service of you and your higher being, your sense of self? I know with a child myself that having time is a luxury that may not be afforded to everyone in these moments, but if you do have a little bit of space, perhaps this is something that might resonate with you. Another episode that is really aligned with this is Dr. Jessica Borshock's episode on creating your most meaningful life with effective action and a little yoga. So there she introduces acceptance and commitment therapy and integrates how values fit within that model. Of course, Steve, Dr. Stephen C. Hayes' episode is brilliant as well. So Dr. Stephen C. Hayes was the founder of ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, and he talks through how you can cultivate psychological flexibility. Psychological flexibility is something that I would, I would in, my, in my mind, in my heart, in my philosophical view, consider to be pretty synonymous with well-being. So I think that's a great episode in a discussion of values and exploring the ACT framework if that's something that does resonate with you. In terms of some really practical strategies, day in, day out, 
cultivating a routine is hugely, hugely important. We know this in the best of times. Having a routine in our life means that we don't have to use so much cognitive power to think of what we're going to do every day. And when we don't have to put so much cognitive power, so much energy into thinking this, then that, then this, we can save that energy for doing activities that are meaningful to us and or staying away, redirecting from activities that might not be serving us, if that makes sense. In regards to a physical distancing routine where you might be working from home or might not be going out as regularly, make sure that you're still getting up and doing the things you would normally do. You know, having a shower, making your cup of coffee, or if you listen to those first couple of episodes with our wonderful medical doctors, you might be thinking you'll have green tea for the antioxidants and the immune benefits. You know, make sure that you are getting out of your pajamas. You don't have to get all dressed step into business attire, but making sure you're getting into something that allows you to have a bit of a physical shift in your day, knowing that you're wearing something different can tell your mind, okay, well now it's time to switch on and to get to work. Set up your workspace in an ergonomical way, in a pleasing way, because you are still going to be spending, if you're working from home, the vast majority of your time in that space. My partner and I actually, a number of weeks back, moved our master bedroom out and made it our office. It was the nicest room in our house. It had a beautiful window. And we thought it's better that we use this space for the office to maintain a sense of well-being and joy rather than just to be sleeping in. And of course, you know, in our case, we were quite happy to put the extra bed up against the wall in the dining room because, you know, having, having that that space clear didn't feel as important to us. Other people have different values and sitting around having a family meal in a beautiful space might be more important in that framework. So again, it's being clear on what your values are and then responding flexibly according to what is going to best serve you and your family. I think the episode with David Allen That's episode number four around getting things done is also fantastic in this framework because David Allen talks you through different strategies, different systems that you can have in place to be more effective in your day-to-day life. And this will, again, free up some of that cognitive load so you can really live your life according to the things that matter to you. David has a beautiful quote around your proportion to work effectively is similar to your proportion and your skill to relax. And I have not done that quote justice, but it's this idea that when we're really efficient in our work, we can relax more and vice versa. So we have to learn how to have systems in place that allow us to turn off, particularly if you're working from home where it would be very, very easy to check your work emails at 10 p.m. at night. And the moment you get up in the morning, suddenly you're on again, which is isn't helpful in a time where I know our minds are busy anyways. Another consideration in your routine is going to be the practical elements of, you know, rostering chores and finding out how we do balance perhaps having multiple people in the household for extended periods of time that we might not always 
So it's important that these conversations happen around who does what, and also conversations around how we can do positive, joyful things, both ourselves, for ourselves, and together as a unit, if that's your situation. So in your routine, schedule joyful activities. You know, I talk a lot about how we often make appointments with other people. If we make a coffee date or if we have a business meeting with someone, we write it in our diary and we have the opportunity to show that same level of commitment to ourselves, you know, to the most important person in your life, the person you spend every day with. Why not spend some joyful time with you? Some other important things to schedule in your routine, in your day and in your week, would be things that support your whole health. A really good framework to support your holistic well-being is that which Dr. John Arden introduces in episode two. Specifically, Dr. Arden will introduce you to the SEEDS framework. So SEEDS stands for your social activities, your educate, pardon me, your exercise, your education, your diet, and your sleep. So these five elements, John describes beautifully, and he describes the research around why each of these five elements is so important and why they're so important that you need to be doing them daily. So listen to that episode for a bit of inspiration and motivation to regularly schedule these self-care activities. Another good episode on this topic is Dr. Jessica Borshock's episode number 16, where she talks about the whole health framework, introducing a biopsychosocial model where she also speaks to things like spirituality and mindfulness and how these different practices that may be more or less important to some of us really come into this framework of whole health. So enjoy those episodes. And in regards to how you can use coping skills. So I think those activities, you know, your social interaction, which we'll speak to more in a moment, your exercise, your education, your diet, and your sleep, those are five things that I think we need to be doing daily. But sometimes we need a little bit more or we need other skill sets to help get through the tough times. I just want to remind you that when I say this, I, I appreciate that you have actually been through a lot of things already. There is no one on this planet who hasn't suffered. And when we talk through self-compassion in episode 13, pardon me, episode 14, we talk through the fact that there is no one who avoids these emotions, so to speak. We can practice avoidance when we feel them, but there's no one who doesn't have these tough experiences. And yet each of us gets through. You know, you've got here today using certain skills, certain strategies, and you're going to get through this time. If you just want to upskill a little bit, some ideas are practicing acceptance, mindfulness. Again, I want to flag social connection and of course to reach out. So acceptance is the willingness to experience a situation as it is rather than fighting with how you want it to be. Does that sound a bit familiar in this situation? I know I went through a period of fighting it. You know, the would have, should have, and could have. 
But ultimately, when we practice acceptance, we can play it as it lies. It doesn't mean that we like it. It doesn't mean that we forgive certain things that have happened or that we're resigning ourselves to a situation. It simply means by acknowledging it as it is now, we can take steps to move towards creating the future that we want, a future that's meaningful for us. And it's a very small example in the grand scheme of things, but I gave the example of how I moved the bed out of the master bedroom. That was, that was a practice of acceptance. You know, it was a lot of work to move rooms, but I acknowledged that based on the information I'd read from what I thought to be very reputable sources, I understood that it was going to be a period of time before life was going to go back to status quo and that we would likely be spending for a reasonable period, much more time at home and working from home in a lot of situations. So when I accepted all of that information, those circumstances, it allowed me to choose what was best and most in alignment with my values, my life situation, my health situation. Mindfulness is virtually... I think one of the most important skills, if not the most important skill in regards to being able to implement every other skill or strategy, because mindfulness allows you to notice what exactly is going on for you in this moment. So it's reorientating, turning back to this moment, noticing what is happening for you on a psychological, physiological level. I also think mindfulness is hugely important in a time like this where there are those woulda, shoulda, couldas and the mind is racing back or as we call it in psychology, ruminating on things or it is anticipating what's coming next. So it's going forwards, which is often more associated with an experience of anxiety. So by noticing when the mind has wandered back or gone forward, we can practice bringing it back to this moment again and again, as non-judgmentally, as kindly as possible. Social connection, those of you watching the video will see it's number three here, but it just means that it's going to be the third thing we'll talk about following the coping skills framework. And this is around maintaining physical distance and relationships. You know, social connection is so vital. There is such a strong overlap between individuals who experience loneliness and the experience of depression. There's also links between social connections and physical health conditions. So people who experience more loneliness are more likely to experience a plethora of physical health concerns. So that's called comorbidity. These things seem to co-occur and they're both um, detrimental to one's well-being, to one's lifespan essentially. So making sure we maintain social connections is important. And with this, maintaining healthy relationships because when we spend a lot of time together, as we all know, things can get more testy. So we're going to talk through why it's important to be managing big emotions as well, managing yours and theirs. If you have little ones, if you you know, have people who are dependent on you, undoubtedly you have noticed that on the days where you maybe are feeling more overwhelmed or uncertain or anxious, something happens there and there's an emotional response from them. So we'll talk about how we manage everyone's emotions. 
And in that framework, we'll talk finally at the end of our time together today about reaching out. It is such an unusual time. As I said before, it's unprecedented and it is totally okay not to be okay. It would be it would be weird to feel okay with all of this in the sense that we have to be reorientating to how we're doing things. Things are not the way they were before and it's taking some adjustment and that's okay. However, if it's getting to the point where you're noticing that you are, you know, getting more tearful or you're not able to turn your brain off, it feels like you're always thinking, worrying if your sleep is getting interrupted, if it feels like you're withdrawing from activities, from people, this is a really important time to reach out because Given that we're such social creatures, there is no one on this planet who at one point or another has not had to reach out for help. So I'd like to talk through that a little bit more, both in terms of accessing emotional support, but support around things like debt counseling and I guess different options that are available to support you if there are added stressors around the financial concerns in this time. And of course, you know, negative impacts and grief that comes with with some of the loss associated with coronavirus. So in terms of the acceptance episodes that I would recommend, I would recommend that you talk or that you listen to Dr. Megan Davidson's episode five, where she talks through journeying through a dark night of the soul to become a love warrior, hashtag love warrior. And I think that's a great episode because she really elegantly and rawly, authentically, honestly shares her own journey through a very, very difficult period in her life. And I think that we could all benefit from some reminders of how we get through in these times and how we often get through by reaching out to others for support. I think talk, or listening to Dr. Jill Stoddard's episode, Moving Through Anxiety to the Mighty You You Want to Be is important here because anxiety is something that will very likely be coming up. And Dr. Stoddard talks about how anxiety is useful as well as how you can support yourself through, through the layers of anxiety, so to speak. She'll also talk about her amazing book where she gives practical episodes about managing anxiety. So listen to that episode as well as Dr. Emily K. Sandos's episode on cultivating a new relationship with the body society told you to hate. I think this is a really helpful one because there's a lot of us who, you know, have experienced relapse of previous behaviors. So if you've had difficulties with food and with eating before, you might have noticed some of that stuff coming up again. So what a brilliant episode to check back in with what's going on for you and for all of us, regardless of what you know our histories or our behavior is like. Dr. Sandoz explains psychological flexibility so beautifully. So I think that's something that we all can be cultivating in this time. We'll also talk a little bit about her books around body body-related challenges that people have. So if that's something that resonates with you, have a listen. 
Dr. Holly Yates talks through your three therapy guide to cultivating acceptance and mindfulness. So she talks in this episode about ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy, which is something that you've heard a lot about in season one. She talks through DBT, dialectical behavior therapy, as well as um, FAB, which is another framework around how you actually relate in different situations and how that in this context comes up in a therapeutic relationship. But I think it comes up more broadly for all of us. And here we are at home with individuals more and more. That's definitely going to change these relationship dynamics. So have a listen to Holly's episode and you'll find she also talks a little bit about stress tolerance. This is an important framework and skill set to get around when things are feeling really overwhelming and we just need to learn to be able to take a break, to take a step back from the intensity of things that are going on. There's also a brilliant episode, speaking of intense emotions, with Tiffany Rochester, and she talks about getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. So using the framework around how we can actually support, you know, a young person who might have very, very strong emotions to experience those emotions safely. Because when we get older, being able to handle all of the emotions that we will inevitably experience, being able to handle those emotions is important, you know, particularly in a time like this. You know, heaven forbid that that we go through something so similar in another lifespan, but we want to be able to pass down to our children the capacity to make people with their strong emotional experiences and to know that we can hold them through it. Tiffany also talks through how you can have uncomfortable conversations with the people you love. And, you know, this is important for the relationships we care about in this time where there might be things coming up around the house and uncomfortable conversations to have and we might be feeling tired and like we can't be bothered. But it is really important that we address concerns, you know, be it who is unloading the dishwasher or who is moving the homework off the table. Have a listen, see what you think, and also check out Dr. Megan Davidson's second episode on cultivating shame resilience and finding the courage to be authentically you because she also talks to a lot of the uncomfortable emotions that we might experience, in particular shame, and learning to meet shame with a degree of vulnerability and compassion So ultimately, this practice of acceptance of what is, of what we're experiencing, and how we care care for ourselves through those times. Mindfulness, as I highlighted, is so crucial for our well-being. So there's been a few mindfulness techniques that have been introduced. You might like to check out again Dr. Jessica Borshak's episode where she talks through yoga, which is a mindful movement technique. You might like to check out Dr. Melissa Jay's episode where trauma-informed yoga psychology is introduced. And Dr. Jay shares about how her journey really started through meditation practice. 
Nellie Martin's episode on understanding Buddhist Dharma and mindfulness in an evidence-based framework talks through seated meditation practices as well as mindful movement in the form of yoga and how this integrates with different philosophical worldviews. You could also, again, check out the Mindfulness Self-Compassion Masterclass, which links mindfulness and self-compassion together and gives you some really practical steps on how you can utilize different self-compassion and mindfulness strategies. Both Nellie's episode and this episode introduce you to the concept of RAIN, and all of these episodes will be introducing you to present moment awareness as well as just, you know, what is mindfulness. In fact, Dr. Chantal Douglas describes how she journeyed from a researcher. So she was researching mindfulness and just seeing such a profound effect and amazing correlation between positive health status and the practice of mindfulness that she was compelled to develop a mindfulness practice. It was from there that Dr. Douglas moved into a yoga practice. So you might like to check out episode 17 where she shares her journey. And at the end of that episode, Dr. Douglas also talks you through a meditation. So I think that can be a nice way of offering yourself the gift of a guided meditation. Another thing actually to grab as well, if you email me hello at drcaitlin.com is the workbook that goes with episode 14. So the mindfulness self-compassion episode, I'm more than happy to send you that workbook. And finally, Dr. Emily K. Sandos gave us another interview on how you can integrate a home yoga practice into your life. What's really beautiful about this is Dr. Sandos shares how she started practicing yoga when she was financially constrained at home with three children, and she found a little bit of space on her yoga mat at the foot of her bed and started with a 10-minute practice that has now many years later evolved into a daily, you know, hour-long-ish yoga practice each day. So have a listen to that if you want a bit of inspiration to be cultivating a mindful movement practice. And Dr. Sandoz shares how mindful movement is not necessarily yoga or just yoga. I should say that other activities like rock climbing or tai chi or horseback riding, all of these things can be mindful movement practices. So find what works for you. You may be someone where a seated meditation practice is the best practice of mindfulness for you in that moment, but mindful movement might be really useful too in different forms for different folks. Social connection. So with mindful awareness, you may notice that there comes a need to connect in, to seek support. And this is where social connection is so, so crucial. I've said many times, we are social beings. This is our evolutionary history. We should not be 
the top of the food chain. I think Tiffany Rochester actually describes that and how crucial it is that we maintain social connection that's that's born into us. So when we feel disconnected, our bodies respond and it's often in this depressive spiral. You know, we have withdrawn, so then we physiologically start to sink lower and lower and maybe we're duvet diving more or our minds are just racing, racing, racing. So getting out, connecting and doing it in a way that is safe. So you might FaceTime with friends and family. You might consider writing letters or emails. Different people in my neighborhood have been doing a lot of baking and sharing baking as a way of giving because we know that giving is such a beautiful feeling as well as offering people an opportunity to practice gratitude, which is another skill that is so vital for our well-being. You can even combine these, you know, you could be writing gratitude letters, offering people the gift of knowing who they are to you, what they mean to you, allowing you that chance to reflect on the things that you're grateful for in your life and someone else, the beautiful opportunity to receive that letter or that email or that phone call, whatever feels right for you. In regards to, you know, other creative avenues that I've heard about, you can undoubtedly Google them. You're probably more aware of some of these things than I am, but you might like to do video parties. You could be watching a movie at the same time as someone else is watching the movie in a different location and chatting about it. You can sign up for online book clubs and then you meet via Zoom. And it means that, hey, if you have friends, family, or just people who like the same books as you who live in other locations, you can still do a book club with them because suddenly we're not bound by our physical location. You can sign up for in-person, so to speak, via Zoom workshops. You know, if there's something that you're interested in, chances are someone is going to be offering it via Zoom right now because that's what all of us are doing. We're moving our in-person groups and activities to this virtual framework. Yoga studios, CrossFit studios, they're all on Zoom online now. And if you have a local one, definitely figure out how you can connect in with them because then you'll be seeing familiar faces and you'll be supporting local business. But if there isn't a local studio or gym that you are associated with, or if there's something else that you wanted to try, you can go beyond the binds of where you would be willing to drive, given that all of these activities can now come to you virtually. So what beautiful ways to share social connection in a creative manner. I think it's important that we acknowledge at times this may not feel the same, right? It's different. If we were going to work, we would be having incidental conversation through our day. Now we have to be pretty deliberate in scheduling it. So if you are working through the day, that might actually mean using Microsoft Teams or whatever ways of connecting you have with your teammates that you actually maybe push yourself a little bit to reach out. I know it can sometimes feel uncomfortable to be the one to start those conversations if that's not 
in your personality type if you're not someone who's naturally extroverted. But it's really important to maintain those connections and actually to be seeing faces. So it's that face-to-face contact that really sets off the hormonal connective response in our bodies. So where you can, try, try, try to get some face-to-face connection. If you have older family members, one thing that's so important right now is that we don't leave them behind, so to speak. A lot of older people do have smartphones. They just might not have the knowledge of how to use Zoom or FaceTime or these different platforms that we have. So another really beautiful way of giving is to give the gift of time, of energy, to upskill the older people in your life around how they can use these these devices to connect and to actually take that time to connect with them, even if it's imperfect, because it's so meaningful. We know that our older people are often the most isolated, so please give them this gift where you can. And a beautiful episode around social connection and and transition generally, because we have transitioned into a very new time for all of us, is Tiffany DeSouza's Machiato's episode on connecting through motherhood. And while I think this episode is particularly helpful for parents because it really validates maybe some of the experiences you've had, and she shares about her app, the Village, um, the Village Foundation app, which is a virtual way of connecting with other parents for emotional support, which is hugely helpful in this time period. I think Tiffany's description of how you are never the same after this journey into motherhood really applies to all of us now. We're going in through this unknown period and there is going to be some natural natural learning curves that comes with this, some teething problems. So have a listen and see what you think. See if that framework resonates for you. Before we wrap up, as I mentioned, I wanted to talk through some practical considerations. So Some of you might have lost your jobs or be in situations where the work that you did before is not not there in the way it was prior to coronavirus. So please consider reaching out for financial support. There are different ways of doing this. Some of this is resources through the government, whether it is job seekers allowance or calling in Australia, you could call the national debt hotline. Most nations have an equivalent of this. Also checking in on what supports there might be around coronavirus information too. So again, I mentioned that you want to consume media that is evidence-based, evidence-informed and isn't sensationalized. So looking to your government for different health websites that they endorse or going to the World Health Organization website, just making sure that the frameworks you are operating in here are realistic and and helpful. Because ultimately, we need to be taking care of our mental health and If at any point it feels like it's too much to be consuming all of this media, stop. Just make sure that you're obeying the recommendations around the physical distancing and the hand washing. And 
reach out for support. Reach out for professional support if you need it. In Australia, all of the GPs, the medical practitioners, and the mental health supports like psychologists, we're all offering virtual therapy, telehealth therapy. So via telephone or face sort of chats like the equivalent of Zoom. So use those opportunities to still access your support. The government rebates that applied in regards to Medicare, health insurance, and things like that are all still available through these new platforms. And it's my understanding that it's very, very similar. There's been a similar transition in different nations. So if it is uncomfortable for you to be going out for face-to-face -face appointments, there are plenty of options right now. And it is really important you take care of yourself because if you don't take care of accessing the supports you need, that's understandably going to impact those around you, your community, and how you actually get to show up to live that valued life, how you actually get to show up in your life and be the you that you would like to be. We all deserve support and we all need support. None of us, none of us operate alone. The big theme of this episode, which I didn't really realize at the time is, I should rename it, is that social support is so crucial that we are social beings and that we need each other. So please reach out, reach out to friends, to families, stay connected. And I am so honored that we have been able to connect here today and through season one. Thank you for taking the time to put your earbuds in and to hear the wisdom that I ultimately believe will make our communities better. Because as we move to creating our best version of ourselves, there is a ripple effect. Our well-being influences others around us, allowing us to show up more effectively and in the ways that we would like to be showing up. And that inspires and supports others. So please keep doing you, keep take care of yourself. And come join me again on season two. I would be so honored. That will be coming out in a couple of months' time. If you go to wisdomforwellbeingpodcast.com, you can sign up for the mailing list. And I'll, of course, keep you abreast of dates and episodes and plans. Head on over to Facebook. If you're watching this on Facebook, you'll notice there's a typo. The Facebook name is actually at wisdomforwellbeingpod or I am on Instagram at Dr. Caitlin. As mentioned, feel free to drop me an email, hello at Dr. Caitlin, and I can send you the Mindful Self-Compassion Workbook. Take care of yourselves, take care of your family, your friends, your community. Let's all take care of each other. And hopefully it's not too long until we are no longer physically distancing but nonetheless, we'll keep our social connection in the meantime. All right. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drcaitlin.com to connect find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.